take from you your innocence, your pride, and eventually your soul. These eyes do not see what you and I see. Behind these eyes one finds only blackness, the absence of light. These are the eyes of a psychopath. Michael was created by a perfect alignment of interior and exterior factors gone violently wrong. A perfect storm, if you will. Thus creating a psychopath that knows no boundaries and has no boundaries. scares us and what saves us. This is the fear of God. Hello and welcome back to your favorite podcast, everyone's favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what's scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And he was here, but he saw what we were covering and he was just like, I'm good. Okay. Uh, Maybe he'll be back. Maybe he won't. I don't know. In the meantime, allow me to welcome you listeners back to Halloween, the best time of the year. In this Halloween season, we are celebrating with an amazing series that we have creatively named Halloween at Halloween. Get it? In this series, we've been charting the career of our favorite, one of our favorite horror franchise players. This stoic fella has been stabbing us since 1978, changing the shape of horror cinema and immortalizing Denny Crane along the way. We checked in with him before by way of the initial 1978 entry, later covered the 2018 sequel. In this series, we've been exploring his whole catalog. That's right. All of it. All of it, including what we're talking about today. We've been discussing the lives, the near deaths, the murders, and the memories we made along the way with the one, the only, Michael Myers. Last week... We, we took a live wire to Michaels Myers with H2O and Halloween Resurrection. And this week, we will be following Michael Myers' career as he continues his Forrest Gump-level walking pace across the country with Rob Zombie's Halloween 1 and 2. 
But before we meet Joe Grizzly, permit me to remind you listeners that here at The Fear of God, we explore, we do not explain, except for right now when I explain that you can find every fog and fear of God thing imaginable at thefearofgodpodcast.com, such as how to support us on Patreon, essays, team bios, episode archives, merchandise, read like I'm Joe Grizzly. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, have, didn't have one in the, my pocket. I was like, "What? what's a reference? The PG-13 level has gone up on the fear of God lately, oh, and I'm here for it. Especially. Um, especially. Reed, I, I, we, 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 we gushed about H2O last week. We, we sure did. We talked about resurrection last week. Um, we got a lot to get to here, so I want us to move along at a relatively clipped pace. So Fogaween is coming up. It's business time. Fogaween is coming up. Mark your calendar October 30th. Mm-hmm. all hallows eve mm-hmm. it's going to be an unfriended level event going on up on the zoom mm-hmm. uh, up in here october in here. 30th 8 30 p.m eastern standard time um well we, i'm not going to tell you to watch another treehouse of horror because this is the last one is the last but one do, do be reading cujo mm-hmm. um any other uh any other business no you, you hit it the cujo and the fogaween so yep that's it well it's time to go into the patron segment, wherein we will be discussing The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, Volume 5 from Season 6. That said, to the patron mobile. Now, about these movies. Oh my gosh. Riri. So oh let's do this. Gosh. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a possible curveball at you. So okay. um in Halloween at Halloween, we have kind of done a little bit of setup, a little bit of how you feel type conversation on the front end. Uh inserted uh, uh that ain't rights, toy lines and kills in the middle, and then kind of come back around. Uh, I don't really want to do that this time. So what okay. I'd rather us do is you you give because these exist as a pretty specific sort of parallel universe in the mm-hmm. franchise itself. So I want to the extent you have it and to the extent you want to um, talk a little bit about just the, the, the nature of these films existence whatsoever. Then we'll do sure. uh, with minimal sort of touching on our specific feelings on it. Then we'll get a little didactic, make our lists, check them twice and then jump into just broader sort of ideas of these two yeah. films. That, that sound fair to you? Absolutely. No, I'd love to. So, um, Many, I'll start this way. Many, many horror franchises eventually reach the point to where they have had so many sequels that in order to keep the franchise alive, they have like direct-to-video sequels. Not every franchise has suffered that fate, um, but many of them do. And after Resurrection was a complete uh, failure and critically panned, it was also kind of about to suffer the same fate the Halloween franchise was. The the Miramax and Dimension Films, well, not Miramax, Dimension Films, which was also owned by the Weinsteins, uh, kind of had the rights at that point. And there was a lot of development around Halloween 9 that is not worth getting into. Like, So the ninth installment of the franchise, which was going to pick up from Resurrection and continue the story, there were just an absolute avalanche of ideas, multiple scripts, multiple writers brought on, multiple directors consulted. Uh, for like years, they were trying to kind of get something off the ground and it wasn't happening. And then something a little sad, 
well, I say a little sad. I don't mean to to diminish it. Uh, Mustafa Akkad, the 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 oft cited producer of this longstanding franchise, died uh, actually in a terrorist attack uh, in Jordan, and uh, it was a very very tragic death. His son took over the sort of hel- helming of the franchise, and there's not a lot that I have found about how the conversation pivoted from a new sequel to a remake possibility. I do know that contemporary to the time, there were other remakes that were getting a little bit of traction that were uh, kind of gaining some steam and, and, and popularity and success. Um, and so then somewhere along the lines, it was consulted that Rob Zombie, who had made at that point House of a Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Rejects, would helm the remake of Halloween, that he would write it and he would direct it. Now, what Rob Zombie originally wanted to do was to make two films. The first film being exclusively a prequel to the original Halloween. So his original vision was that his first film out the gate would be all of the prior to Haddonfield, Illinois stuff. That like maybe the early days of Michael Myers, spend a little bit of time in Smith's Grove and culminate in Michael breaking out and maybe, you know, some stingers on the end of of, of where things were going. But then he would make the remake of John Carpenter. They didn't want to finance that. They didn't want to put all that money in, so they forced him to blend those two concepts to basically make what we have in his original film, which is the first 50 minutes or hour of it is completely brand new material to the mythos of Michael Myers and into this, you know, to the Rob Zombie universe. It's all prior to the events of the original film that we would know. And then the back half of Zombie's film although updated with zombie sensibilities, has uh, basically it follows very similarly the beats of John Carpenter's original Halloween. That's his first one. And the only other sort of piece that I'll share before we move on into other things is that then Rob Zombie had talked very disparagingly, and understandably so. Not many people have profoundly positive things to say about the Weinsteins these days, but he talked uh, just in horrific terms about working with them. Said like they were constantly pushing and pulling on what he wanted to do, left and right, constantly tying his hands. He said it was terrible and he never wanted to work with them again. Well, his Halloween uh, was so successful at the box office, it was actually, this is an interesting tidbit, it was, I don't know if you saw this when Shang-Chi came out, but Shang-Chi was, I think, came out I want to say it was on Labor Day that it came out. Mm -hmm. And you know how directors who previously held the box office records will issue Mm -hmm. some like congratulations to the new box office record holder? Rob Zombie had to do that to the director of Shang-Chi because for years, Halloween, Rob Zombie's original Halloween was the box office record holder for Labor Day weekend um, from like 2007 until this past year. Um, And so anyway, uh, it, it made a ton of money was very successful. So the Weinsteins had basically said, we're proceeding with a sequel, and we're proceeding with a sequel from the characters you've devised. Rob Zombie then just a lot of, you know, like back and forth and argumentative and and, and whatever else happened behind the scenes. I understand this. I I sympathize with with Zombie's position here. He did not want some other director taking what he had made and moving forward with that iteration. He wanted to do it. So... He got in, and he wanted to direct uh, Halloween 2, but again, cites that experience as, once again, profoundly difficult and constantly being pushed and pulled and hampered and and, and all of that sort of stuff. But 
But Halloween 2 is where things get very, very different from any story that we've seen before. Um, it's just, it, it follows Laurie Strode one year after her traumatic occurrence at the, the first Halloween and then, um, you know, kind of, kind of goes to some weird places that we can maybe get into in more granular detail when we kind of talk about it. But, um, but yeah, that's not so brief. Sure. Stories, but. Um, no, that's, that's helpful. And so, yeah, we're going to, we're going to put a pin in sort of deeper discussions of these two, um, as pieces of art and as thematic pieces, while we do a little bit more didactic work here, uh, in the service of Halloween at Halloween. So, um, I do want to mention for me who had never seen, uh, either of these, um, mm-hmm. f- uh, again, just highlighting specifics and then saving general feelings about the films until later. I love the casting of Malcolm McDowell as Loomis love mm-hmm. Brad Dourif in both of these films. Yeah. Um, yeah, and of the first film read, we're going to do that. Ain't right. But if I had a, that so right, my friend, it is Joe Grizzly. Ken for as Joe. Grizzly. Want yeah. The Joe Grizzly prequel. Oh man. I want, I, I want to know how Joe Grizzly lives his life. <laughs> um, maybe it culminates in that fateful day at the truck stop, but that was oh. that five minutes. I was like, this guy, I want that movie <laughs> right now. No joke, man. Right he's now. great. Oh, he's so <laughs> he's great. So good. Totally get it. Um, totally get it. So that's my, that's so right for one. Now it is time of both Halloween and H2 to talk about the things that uh, are not just wrong, but of which might be said, that ain't right. Sure as hell ain't right. Riri. Mm-hmm. So that ain't right for Zombie Ween One. This is how I'm gonna continue to refer to them. Zombie um Ween. so they're these are just it's gonna be hard to ignore this. We're gonna continue to bump up against this notion. Tonally, these are dramatically woe than yeah. more woe than any of the other things. Um the grimy. Very, yeah, yeah, very, um, yeah. Uh, let me scan this real quick because I've got one that's a clear front runner. Um, yep. So, in a movie filled with dirt, and I don't mean that in a pejorative way, I mean that in a just tonal way, yeah. Um, if there's a that ain't right, and what's so fascinating about these movies, not just zombie weens, but Halloween writ large, it's like mm-hmm. you can't fully appreciate certain things without having sort of enmeshed yourself in the total. Yeah. But Reed Lackey for a figure as, as central to the entire 40 years of Halloween as Judith Myers is to have her be given more of a role in this first zombie ween and that in the scene in which she and her boyfriend are about to have some fun time, oh my he God. puts on the Michael Myers mask. That ain't right. Ain't right. Nope. 
I was like, <laughs> no, no, sir. We just, <laughs> we just breach the horizon line. Like whatever you think of those first 30 minutes and they are rough. Mm. That moment you're like, uh, uh, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm buckling up for Whoa. just hell. You know, it's, I mean, it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. And, and honestly, to be fair, it's also kind of a slow clap moment. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. you you <laughs> did that. Like this this choice just does a lot for mm-hmm. this film, this franchise, this story. So for me, that ain't right is Judas Boyfriend putting on the Michael Myers mask during yeah. sexy time. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Um ignoring kills and and yep. and that should be cited because if i were making a proper comprehensive that ain't right there's a couple of kills in here that i would cite at the top but we'll get to those when we when we, when we talk about kills um so uh i i have two one's kind of heavy and pretty serious and the other one is is a little bit more on the jokey side but i still consider it a that ain't right um so starting with the heavier one um the whole opening breakfast conversation in this film yeah, is terrible. just is just gross and it's one thing to display a toxic dysfunctional family dynamic but man just the things that these characters are saying to one another is oppressively nasty and vile and and mean-spirited uh and i don't just mean mean-spirited as in well yeah these characters are jerks no it's it's like it's almost as if here's what it felt like to me it's almost as if he wanted from the beginning to throw a gauntlet down and said this is not the halloween movie that you are used to seeing which is tame and silly to a certain degree and like you know a, a little bit palatable in its in its approach or whatever it's almost as if with this he was like this is not your grandmother's halloween you know like and and it felt awful in that way um it's just gross i'm not going to repeat any of the lines they're just they're just disgusting but that opening well, to your sequence, point um i'll reference this a couple of times myself and uh, uh andrew nelson was asking me about these two movies and, and i was engaging a little bit yeah. not in public just because i didn't want to spill the beans on some of it and i said in a vacuum had i had i been watching this movie as a I want to watch something at Halloween for funsies, you yeah. know, like if I had just queued this up, that scene possibly would have compelled me to turn it off. Like I get it's it. So yeah, I it's get it. so vile. Um, yeah. And in a way, cause you, you kind of give a little credit there creatively and, and kudos to you for it. Like, you know, throwing a gauntlet down, which sounds fine, but it also, at the same time, there's, there, there's a, I think there's a world where an argument could be made. It overcorrects there. Like it, it just, yeah. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, it's your that ain't right, and it is absolutely a that ain't right. Yeah, you had absolutely. one other one, I think, that you wanted. Yeah, to this reference. is a little bit more. This I still consider this a la- that, that ain't right. Um, there is, it is worth noting that in all of these Halloween movies, there is the presumption that Doctor Loomis did his best, and that Michael Myers, Michael Myers, is pure evil, and therefore could not have been uh, reached. He could not have been rescued. He could not have been rehabilitated. Anything like that. What is interesting, and Loomis in Rob Zombie's vision is arguably more interesting than Donald Pleasance, even though all, you know, I'm not throwing any shade at Donald Pleasance, um, but just this rendition. Ma- Michael McDowell is an incredible actor, 
and uh, lauded in his career, deservedly so. But uh, there's a moment, and again, this is a little jokey, where he's talking about the mask, and Michael puts on this mask, and 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 he's like, "Oh, well, why why is it all black?" And he's like, "Well, black's my favorite color." And then this jerk doctor is like, "Well, black's not a color, isn't it?" Oh, that it's almost as if he's saying like, "Oh, your your favorite mask there, you know, it's just crap, right? It's just uh, BS because black's not a color, you know." And it's like he's saying it in a kind of a nice tone, but it planted a seed in my mind that maybe was intentional on Rob Zombie's part. I was like, "What if Doctor Loomis, Donald Pleasance, yep. or this version is just a crap doctor? What if he's just?" Oh terrible at his I job. I they're going to say if he's the one who but, is but, ostensibly the seed of this worst yeah, version. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it's like cuz honestly, I kind of love that scene just mm-hmm. because again we'll, we'll get to it and we're going to risk getting ourselves bogged down here and it'll be partly my fault for sure, but what I actually love about that scene in in micro and even this first film in macro is the the legibility becomes clearer of mm. what you might not have known you might have missed from a 78 iteration sure and in that moment it's like because there's what there's dumb ways you can do that and there's smart ways you can do that and i think this movie does several smart things one of which is right there of a loomis who we come to see in a fully more fully formed version who's very much drunk on his own kool-aid mm-hmm. who in that moment i don't know that he's a bad doctor i think he's I think he's being a bit uh, self-congratulatory on sort of flexing, even if he doesn't intend to, and being like, hey, guess what? That's not a color, kid. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, let me pick the thing that is all the colors, the white, mm, the mask. The white. You know, yeah. that's, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the negative becomes the everything. Anyway, that's a yeah. great scene. Um, yeah. Michael, Malcolm McDowell is great. Um, that ain't rights for Zombieween 2. Um Zombie Wing 2, as you've mentioned, is dramatically different uh, than kind of anything you might be expecting, um, even with threads of the original Halloween 2 buried in the front of it. Um, there's a lot of that ain't right in this movie. Um, so much. Why don't you start here if you have one that's a bit more front of mind? For for which one? Two. Oh, for Halloween Zombie 2. Wing 2. That ain't right. Yeah. Zombie Wing 2. Yeah. Um, Man, it is hard to it is hard to ignore kills. Um, I mean, I will say maybe this is a cheat, but I will say even as a victim of profound trauma, Laurie Strode. I'm not necessarily blaming the actor here, but Laurie Strode is profoundly unlikable in this. Um, in the second and, film. In the second film, yeah. Um, and 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 I'm saying this even as a, a victim of trauma, so I recognize I don't want to be disrespectful to people who have a difficult time expressing themselves and working out their own trauma. Um, but and 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 maybe and this is this would be worthwhile for me to to hear this if somebody listening is like actually read that's a you know that's that, that's pretty on point. Um, but it's just like it struck me just the 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 toxicity through which she. Buffett's back, Annie, you know, like uh, Annie seems as a character to have found some path forward out of the trauma that she experienced in Halloween one. Um, And uh, Lori just can't escape it when she finds out that she was actually Michael Myers sister that she just 
breaks bad and just kind of goes off the deep end and then begins to culminate towards something where it kind of implies, you know, by her putting on the mask at the end, kind of implies that she's going to kind of head that direction. Um, and, uh, and so it's just, it, it just, it struck me as that, like, I don't have anybody to root for in this iteration. Uh, it, it is all just kind of the doldrums of despair, which is a visionary choice. But uh, but that's that's what I'm citing is that ain't right. It's just that like the character of Laurie Strode in this, mm-hmm. interesting, c- comparatively to the, you know, the Jamie Lee Curtis of it all, which that's not a fair comparison. I admit that um, by any stretch. But uh, just the character of Laurie Strode, I'm like, oh no, I'm just like this. This she's just on this inevitable path, and that's well, that's and, my and thing, right. Here's the impossible task before us for this coming hour or so is we we want to service well the the scaffolding of the series we're in halloween and halloween it's it's hard to do some of that with these because they are so divergent and so kind of strong choice making that happens here but you know you you make a good point about the second film and i think for me Halloween two, just visually the things that occur on screen. In other words, the difference I'm making is between what it happens on screen visually and just the story being told, you know, to sure. me, those are yeah. kind of two different things. Um, the, the, the stuff that happens on screen is, is pretty repulsive in a, in a lot of ways. And so, you yeah. know, there's, there's a, you, you can basically, you know, throw a rock in the air and you're going to hit oh, that ain't right. If I had to anchor <laughs> it to, um, character stuff and story stuff i actually thought and wrote down when lori discovers the truth that that Mm. was pretty painful Mm. to me because because what actually i'll give i'll tip my hat to for both of these films stories is they are they're much more naturalistic in the story being told and Mm -hmm. so what's kind of wild to consider is you never in the previous uh, eight and a half films, right? If there's, yeah. Um, if we're counting producers cut, mm-hmm. um, you never have Laurie Strode reckon with learning that information. We sure. Never get it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that character you've lived with, even in a different permutation, like the zombie Laurie is who kind of cool fact here, that actress is a teenager uh, as the only teenager of the, the peer group. Mm-hmm. Uh, so too was Jamie Lee, a teenager in 78 version. Um, yeah. Actually seeing that character whom you've lived with throughout these films come to learn that information was pretty, it was pretty devastating, you know, mm-hmm. kind of to, mm-hmm. to watch that experience. So that would, I think be my, that ain't right. If I had a, that's so right for Halloween two, it's, it's Mr. Yankovic in a super <laughs> random, but really fun, <laughs> really fun appearance. I know. Um, I know. It's great. Literally like a scene, but yes, read, read, read. It's like the, it's mm-hmm. like the, I'm pivoting hard here. It's well, like, um, I you know, the it. Simpsons, uh, uh, Homer's string of wieners bit, but made, <laughs> oh, made worse, God. made worse and real. Another that ain't right of Halloween two again throw a rock in the air you're gonna hit one but the parallel action of annie laurie and annie's dad eating the pizza while michael eats the dog like yeah, that is the, yes yes really it, it was my alternate yeah it's yeah. just yeah oh God, it's just it's terrible yeah, it just it's so um, gross. okay because there are so many uh we are now going to pivot out of 
That ain't right. That sure as hell ain't right. And go straight to, we are building across an entire franchise's serial killer uh, uh, films, a Halloween Hall of Fame of kills. Good Lord. Um, I so went many. a second ago and just scrolled and there's a ton. So I'm going to do them quick. Halloween yeah. one. And then we're going to pick Halloween one. And then we're going to go to Halloween two. Uh, Halloween one is the school bully. Michael's first kill. The stepdad, the duct tape chair. Michael slices him up. Judith boyfriend. Uh, yeah. Judith, the nurse at the sanitarium, the room full of cops, Gloria. She's a nurse. I only know her name because Trejo says Gloria. Uh, yes. Basically everybody in the sanitarium, Danny Trejo, Joe Grizzly, Bob, the Charlie Brown boyfriend, Linda, <laughs> uh, Charlie Brown, Bob's girlfriend, yeah. Mr. Mrs. Strode, uh, Annie's boyfriend. <laughs> I wrote after Annie's boyfriend, I said, having sex, they're going to die. They do. <laughs> you can tell the progression of discovery. Um, the two cops that show up in response to the 911 call, both brutally dispatched by Michael. I wrote oh, Loomis, yeah. but then we learn, okay, that actually wasn't real. So yeah. that is all the kills in mm. Halloween one. So I actually, I might have thrown this. This is not a kill, but it's adjacent. And I, I okay. would not vote on this as my candidate, but I love Reed. I love in one the kind of heartbreaking moment when Danny Trejo finds him in the hallway. It's so, so you're talking about the, the death, right? Like yeah. D- Danny well, Trejo's death. It's, it's before like the, these but scenes yes, are connected, that. but I'm mm-hmm. not identifying the, the moment when he kills him. I'm saying when he, when they encounter each other in the hall and it's the Mikey, Mikey, you could like, I haven't seen everything Danny Trejo has ever done. I haven't seen half the things Danny Trejo has ever done, but I was like, damn, that's a good performance right there. He is. I love Danny Trejo so much. He is totally heartbroken and, and freaked the F out at the same time. Like it is terrifying. So side note and, and, and just giving some props personally speaking. So I have some, I have some personal champions, many of them that the fog people already know about like Schwarzenegger or even, uh, Stallone or, you know, to a lesser extent, Chuck Norris or whatever. But Danny Trejo is like on, on my list, (laughs) but that's not the conversation I'm having. Danny (laughs) Trejo is, is on my, I love Danny Trejo and would highly recommend. Uh, and I'm citing this because you cited his performance there. I would highly recommend the documentary called Inmate Number One, I believe it's called Inmate Number One, that is his little biographical documentary. That man has been kind of to hell and back, and the 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 things that he, the ways he talks about that is just really inspiring and enriching, and I just, I love Danny Trejo. I just love him mm. so much. And so, yes, I love that moment. I, I love his presence in this film, but you're spot on of just like, there's such a humanity in that moment. That is all his performance credit, sure. you know, that like he is bringing that to the table in a rich way. And, uh, it makes what follows all the more devastating. Um, why don't you, are, why don't you pick for, okay. So hall of fame, I am going to let, I think I'm going to let you, I think I'm going to let you take one that I know you were pretty energized about. So, so that is what well, I am trying to do. It would in, not have been my this, pick, but so, so you do what you want. Oh, really? Okay. Well, so I'm wrestling back and forth between two of them, and I thought there was a, a strong chance you were going to uh, deliver the other one. So I am going to cite, we were just talking about him, I'm going to cite Ismail the janitor. Um, when he sees Mikey, and he sees the carnage that Mikey has has delivered, 
And then he tries in the most trepidatious way to get handcuffs oh, back on him. It's terrible. It's awful. He just he tries to do his job. Of course, earlier in the film, he had glibly thrown out. Uh, this is almost a cliche, but he had glibly thrown out that he was three months from retirement. But um, he he tries to get handcuffs on Michael Myers. That does not succeed. What breaks my heart is the way he, as Michael is dispatching him, violently, brutally, and relentlessly, he keeps, whenever he has breath to utter it, he keeps saying through tears, real tears, like the character is crying real tears, I was good to you, Mikey. Like, I was good to you. And it is just, it's devastating. Like, I, I feel it in my bones. Yeah. And, uh, and, and there's another death in H2 that kind of affects me in a similar way, but but I just I feel that death to to my soul. So yeah, I'm I'm citing Ismail the janitor uh for the Kill Hall of Fame and his repeated refrain, devastatingly as it is, of I was good to you, Mikey. I was good to you. Well, what might end up happening here is we're gonna make an executive decision to have a a, a, a hat trick and and throw a third oh, in the mix for, the, just for a third one. Okay. Because um the third one notwithstanding at the moment, what kind of and not just because of this reason, but it's also terrible when it happens. But because it's kind of the the kill that launches a thousand kills, it's Judith Myers. Um, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's it is. You, you almost feel mythology being born in that yeah. moment. Yeah. Like mm. this is the thing. This is the one. That this the is the entire. Death all of it has has spawned from um and it's just pretty gnarly and pretty awful at the same time yeah um i get it the one the one we're gonna do the uh ourselves the favor just because the deep love is and throw him in the mix is is joe Um, grizzly man co-signed uh like man that five minutes is great it's great it's so great and um, like that's a that's a someone should just if they need a, a pick me up that's a cue that scene up so it's just great. fun he is fantastic he's yeah. a, a, a credit I will give I feel it more in the first film someone could make a case that it exists in the second as well but I feel it more in the first film there are just it's just peppered with just really great kind of character actors who oh, just kind of sure. show up yes. and mm-hmm. kind of do a scene here and there um, and it feels. Uh, this is a word no one really ought to ascribe to these two films, but it feels a little fun when some of these characters show up. Sure, kind of enter the story. For the um, first one, and, I strongly agree. Yeah, I yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um, Joe uh, Grizzly, man, Ken Fury is like he he was the star of the George Romero's Dawn of the Dead in '78, okay. and he's uh from from reports of com you know conventions and things like that is is a very generous guy to his fans and like a really kind guy and frequently when he takes photos or video ops with them will cite the joe grizzly line um just when he's yeah yeah it's just i've seen a couple things out there just seems like a really generous guy to his fans and 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 seems fun to work with and just yeah he's great he's just he's right so let's um We'll do we'll do H two kills and then we'll jump back because I did forget toys. We will come back to that. Uh, there's it's not a whole lot of fun to be had in these two. Uh, but Halloween Indeed. two kills. I will rattle these off for us real quick. 
ambulance orderly slices his head off was kind of hard to tell for a second because i looked away because i was repulsed um yes. <laughs> two is octavia octavia spencer what yeah. oh my Random? gosh okay yeah. She goes to check a room. She comes out all bloody. Michael brutalizes her. Uh, Third is another nurse off screen, but it's pretty, pretty gnarly when she's discovered. Uh, Next is Buddy, the security guard. I promise I'll be back in just a second, which is like famous last words. If ever they existed, gets an ax to the back. Um, Although here's a question read or not for all of those. Uh, (laughs) Moving on the rednecks, right? You know what I'm saying? Or not those people get killed on screen, but Oh, does Michael kill them because does he, get, does he or is it all in mm, her head? Mm, do we yeah, just mm, clever well, fake it's out all in her head? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I guess we should just I shouldn't have even named this. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, next up is they the rednecks going after Michael for being on their land. Three plus a dog. Of course, the dog's going to die. Lord one slice in the eyes and stabbed over and over. One antlered on the front of the truck. The third pole from the truck stabbed multiple times. The strip club worker next is the strip club owner and a stripper next is the wolfman kid from the party next is Lori's friend um, was going to love up wolfman but gets startled in the shagging wagon next is the Lord cop watching Annie mercy. next is Annie next oh. is Maya Lori's other friend next is Frogert next is Loomis. Oh my God. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think Michael would be but nope. <laughs> nope. He's just. Creating that river of blood that's going to bring them all Ugh. home. Um, um, you go first. Okay. I have to, it, for many of the same reasons as Ismail. Um, it's Annie Brackett's death in this. You and I texted a bit off pod. Um, oh, quite a bit. That. So I know this is a big statement, but it is a sincere one. I have rarely, perhaps never to its equal, been as affected with a big knot in my stomach with a with a horror on screen death as I was with Annie Brackett in specifically H two for two major reasons that I'll that I'll express briefly um, I, I wrote them down so I'll just say this I, I said I don't know if I have ever felt a horror movie death more in the pit of my gut than the death of Annie Brackett in this film um, she escaped death after a devastating fight for her life in Halloween one, the character did. And so she's already been put through the ringer, but in this film, she is a beacon of positivity despite the trauma that she's had. And she has found, at least from what we see of her, a means to move on. And for that character who has reached that place to suddenly be found again by Michael and the now go have some fun line, not to mention whenever any character opens that bathroom door to show where the carnage was and just the the blood-painted walls everywhere and the bathtub full of some stuff that's red as well. I think it's because there was some water in it already, but just she has been so gruesomely brutalized. And the way that for both Lori finding her and eventually, God forbid, her father finding her, it is treated with a tremendous amount more gravity than other deaths are treated. Sure. Um, I feel it in my bones. One thing I will, I don't know if I'm applauding it, I am sure acknowledging it. There are a lot of horror films where the survivor of the previous film gets dispatched rather unceremoniously, whether it be Laurie Strode in Halloween Resurrection, whether it be Rachel in Halloween 5, you know, like... 
a, a survivor from a previous film, and Halloween's not the only franchise to do this, but as, you know, Friday the 13th Part 2 was kind of the first one to do it. Uh, sorry if I just spoiled something about Part 2. But but basically, like a survivor from the first one gets dispatched just with a finger snap. Here is a surviving character who gets dispatched, but for me, my experience of it, I feel every inch of it. Like I feel the devastation. I feel the sadness, the sorrow. I'm not saying I enjoy it. But I am acknowledging that it elicits an emotion from me that other such comparable things do not. And for that very, very long explanation, my Kill Hall of Fame is Annie Brackett from Rob Zombie's H2. Um, I can't escape it. I think about it often. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, yeah, it's it's arguably too much. Um, I don't disagree. Yeah. Uh, my candidate for the hall of fame read is froger so do you know <laughs> <laughs> i was waiting for you to catch it i was like i know you know it of course yeah he's fr- it's from the island man he's froger but um it is funny because like i know that i mean that hector just it's just funny he gets just so like, oh yeah he's just, just smashed there and done That's it. partly i just needed i needed a lighter i needed a light <laughs> Kill. Okay. I, I just okay. couldn't couldn't handle um okay so that yeah. is our kill list candidates for zombie ween uh danny trejo judith joe grizzly annie and not froglet autocorrect <laughs> frogert you weirdo yes. um <laughs> froglet. Froglet so that's our kill list it keeps i mean goodness gracious we're, i feel like we're you know we got to pour like a million cold ones out for all the people we're not putting on the list Lord um mercy all right reed real quick let's do some uh, uh some merchandising here for oh, the zombie weens good um good, good good yeah it's always fun to design some toys <laughs> um i'll throw out my I've got I've got three for I have H1. one each. I have one okay. each. It was hard to come up with toys. These are not sure, sure. T- well, toy again, inspiring. Toy things. is a loose word uh, <laughs> right. as opposed to three dimensional plastic representation of characters in a film. Um, Indeed. In the spirit of that, I'll do what I wrote down for H one is Kid Michael with clown mask and then Kid Michael with Michael mask. Maybe it's just Kid Michael with both masks. Now that sure. I'm thinking of that, yeah, you can just replace them. You can just yeah, interchange yeah, them for all yeah, your so yeah, sadistic, one sadistic wow, buzz uh, or Sid next to Andy. Fun. Mm-hmm. Um, he does look like a little bobblehead when he's got the Michael Myers mask off. He's just like oh, trotting. Rough. Just, uh, the other one for H one is remodeling Michael. Is what I called him remodeling michael end. okay yeah all right. he just yeah. decided to hgtv his own home for 15 minutes Sh- in sure one scene, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it's just with 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 jamming the rafters action yeah like, exactly well, there jamming. he goes oh the action these have <laughs> jamming the rafters oh my lord well honestly mine is just you know how you have like stretch armstrong and you know how uh-huh. you have like yeah. the, those little toys that just like you have other toys that like you drop them in water and they expand or whatever. So mine is just big AF Michael. Like, cause it's just, he's just a mountain. He's just, he's, he's too, a he's, massive. He's too huge. This man, Tyler Maine is six foot eight. He's just, it just, he can't fit into the car. Like he can't fit into the room. Like he's just, he's just a giant. Um, 
the actor is like he's just he's just right. so huge so yeah uh mine for h1 was just big af michael like it won't fit in the package <laughs> like the like when the package comes its head is poking out the top of the plastic it's just, or your head is <laughs> yeah oh man um so, yeah. did you have any for two i did i had one okay. um it, it it's it's a little cheeky, but uh, I called it secondhand Michael. Uh, it's okay. uh, he's he's been he's been played with so much by a bunch of other people that he's fallen apart. His mask is like half there, and he is just he's dirty. He's got like a beard that you don't know how it got there. So so mine is secondhand Michael. <laughs> that is just like he's just like it did like did I get this from a flea market? I did. I bought this from a yeah, swap meet, yeah. and it's, yeah. it's secondhand secondhand Michael Myers. So it's big okay. AF Michael, but after he's been passed down through like three generations, and you get him now, you know like. This. Sure. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have the pieces that half of him's broken. <laughs> so that's just like <laughs> you, did, you did not get the accessories that were supposed to come with it. It's exactly um, right. Yes. Yeah. Well, the only one I have for for two is I call him Wandering Michael. It's just oh, parka. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's in a parka and just because mm-hmm. that's because when I watch a Halloween movie at this point in my Halloween movie con- career consumption consumption of whatever what I want is a not Michael Michael. <laughs> <laughs> get out, get out of here with that crap. Yeah, right. Like two thirds of the movie, I was like, I, hitchhike. It's not even. Mm, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> you heard it and decided in two seconds. I'm not going to give him the 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 benefit of the doubt nope. on that one. No, nope. no, no, no. There's cheeky and then there's stupid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, thinking of speaking of things that are not cheeky. Let's do this. Reed. We've made our list. Um, so I'll preamble this by, uh, uh, as we wave farewell to, to lighthearted conversation <laughs> as we drift <laughs> deeper into the we'll, terrible waters. Sure. Um, we're going to be okay. I, listeners, we're going to be okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, all right. Um, wh- ha- I wrote down, I, I copied and pasted because it, I wanted it for posterity. Uh, my experience of watching Halloween movies in this Halloween and Halloween that I texted you. It literally <laughs> says, it says texting, read watching scene, writing note, watching scene, texting, read, looking away, texting, read, writing note, looking away, watching scene, looking away, <laughs> texting, read, right. <laughs> it's like, that is the experience of watching these, Indeed. especially Indeed. these two specifically. Sure. Um, sure. So, you know, <laughs> Can I, why don't I start? Why don't I start? Sure. Go so, for it. Uh, I saw Halloween one in the theater, the Rob uh-huh. Zombie's Halloween one. Zombie um, wing. I saw Zombie Wing on the theater. Uh, was with uh, a, a, a friend who you've met, uh, Steve Putnam. And, um, and so he and I saw uh, Halloween in the theater and. You know, obviously I had a pretty strong reaction to it. I was like, wow, that's not what I was, uh, what I was expecting. Um, he remains a controversial figure in the realm of this. But what I will say is for all of the choices that are difficult and for all of the indulgent choices and the excesses and things that I will, you know, unquestionably say that's too far. And I don't like that. And I, I, you know, like I, I have a response to that that I don't think is defensible. There's a, I'm not going to describe it because listeners can look it up, but there's a scene in the director's cut Listeners, you will not have to search hard if you're curious because I'm not about to describe it. There's a scene in the director's cut that I absolutely consider indefensible. And there's not a lot of films that I would say that about where I'm just like, that scene is indefensible. I, I don't know 
why you did it, why it exists, and uh, why you champion it as part of your definitive version. So there's a mis- there's some excesses in here. Where I'm going with that is, I don't. I think it's noteworthy that a lot, a lot of horror films have been remade, particularly post 2000s. So I'm not talking about like David Cronenberg's The Fly. I'm not talking about John Carpenter's The Thing. Those are masterpieces of horror cinema in their own way. Um, so I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about the glut of remakes post 2000. Most of them have just kind of been, they're just there and they exist and people have seen them and just be like, Oh yeah, I liked it. I didn't like it. Rob zombies. Halloween, uh, 15 years later continues to elicit sometimes passionate discussion and conversation. It continues to invoke in people, uh, a, a, a defense. It continues to invoke in people anger, um, uh, pointed to it as like all of what's wrong in horror potentials and, and, and you know, what is horror and all that kind of stuff. It is worth noting for all of the things that we would say like, well, that that's not okay. And this is not good. And I wouldn't recommend this or whatever it is that it is distinctly visionary. Rob Zombie has a very specific flavor to his films. And one thing that I do consider about these that I say, take this as a compliment, if you will, I do find these films very interesting. I don't always like them, and I don't always enjoy them, uh, and certainly don't always recommend them. But I find these films to be very, very interesting. And, uh, and so anyway, just worth noting as we proceed into the next conversation, Rob Zombie is a visionary for good or ill. Hmm. That's my opening salvo. You know, I think... Uh, uh, I had a weird experience kind of watching these two mm. because as anyone who listened to that episode knows, not a big fan of um, land of a thousand dances. Um, <laughs> I'll suffer a thousand corpses. <laughs> I'm said a big land fan of a thousand, land of a thousand dances. No, 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 no. I wish I were listening to that right now or Mm. rather than watching those movies talking to you is always a good time, but Wilson. um, Mm. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Let's just do that. Let's just sing the song instead of talking about these movies. Need somebody (laughs) helping now. Um, (laughs) So I'm not a fan of house of a thousand corpses. I don't think writ large zombie would be my flavor. Um, I went into one honestly prepared to be pretty out. Yeah, I get it. Which may be in error on my part as a, you know, attempt to be, I guess, an unbiased critic. Um, And admittedly, again, as mentioned, those first 10 minutes do a lot to try to push you out. But. And I haven't texted you this in the, those first 30 minutes, first 40 minutes, however long it is. We're with young Michael. Um, it is tonally black as night. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. it is, it is heavy and hard, but surprising even myself by the end, I was very taken in by the whole piece, the overall piece, um, Mm -hmm. whatever criticisms I'll level it to in a second, 
what I won't take away from either of them is it's kind of a very lived in world. It's, it's, yeah. mm-hmm. it's like, it's like it reaches for naturalism and presses past it into mm-hmm. you know, almost supernaturalism. If that makes any sense. Um, it is very lived in. There's a degree to, and I, I'm just not smart enough of a critic to even consider a statement like, I like, I'm, I think it's better at what it does than 78. I'm not saying that. I'm not even arguing that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even attempt to climb that hill. But for the story it tells, it's a bit more legible and coherent and, Mm -hmm. and, and fills in some gaps in interesting ways than the 78 one does. Um, It, when you're starting from go with Lori and Michael as siblings, like it's you're, yeah. you're automatically starting with intention and and building a thing, right? That's worth pondering. So, found a lot to like in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I can't. I, I would not be able to tell you. Mm. <laughs> in a much, <laughs> much starker, sharper. Stronger fashion, different fashion. Uh, the 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 feelings going from the Last Jedi to the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> what I was about to say, what I was about to say, is I couldn't think of a time when I had greater whiplash mm. at mm. at how I appreciated a pair of films in sequence than these yeah. two. Uh, key difference between these two and the ones I just referenced are these are the same filmmaker and and that at least merits that consideration. I strangely two feels in a way that one doesn't for all its attempt at invention. It feels cruel. Cruel is a good word. It feels angry. It does not feel this feels mean. It doesn't feel artful. It doesn't feel thoughtful because what's hard about a movie like Mm. this and, and because again, I thought going into one, I was going to feel the way I felt coming out of two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I, it kind of pulled this, this whammy on me of, of that, of what it does. I, I even, I told you this, like I even like I even like where characters in two are in their journeys. I like the world. I like the story. I don't even on its face mind the sort of mystical stuff. Like, like if you were to tell me the white horse, yeah, it's, it's a little weird. And I, and it's, it's hard not to feel like zombie just wanted a role for his wife. It's hard sure. not to feel that way. I get that. Mm-hmm. And so in that respect, it feels a little cheat, a little cheap as a, as a, a device, but even ignoring that again, I can, I can sort of buy in on the mystical thing. If that's where we're going, I mean, hell the cult of thorn, you know, that's, that's sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're yeah. different flavors of similar foods, if you will. And I hate saying stuff like this, Zombie Wayne 2 points back to that just kind of lingering question that exists in this realm 
which is how far past the line can you go Mm -hmm. as a creative person, as a creator, as as an artist before what you've got in final form outweighs whatever possible value it might be offering. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh, I'm tracking. Yes, absolutely. That it's like, well, yeah, the boundary pushing happens in most strong art. Like it is, you know, like I think about this at the, it's different, different conversations in different contexts, but I think about the way people responded originally, originally to John Carpenter's The Thing. And ask of myself, I just interrogate of myself, am I simply in a different phase of culture and acclamation, and am I simply responding to contemporaneous sort of things, or, to your point, is this truly too far? Is this truly too much? And and like, we can't quite go here. One of the things that I do kind of feel that makes this a little different than, I know I'm citing the thing but like something that i think makes like zombies films a little different is kind of what you said that i actually agree with is that like it often feels cruel and it often feels angry i think that's a very and i feel that specifically about the second one sure while sure. No, no, while the that. first yeah. one is dark and tonally just 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 black uh i i it is absent of color in the first yeah. one sure uh, sure, to, sure sure to keep that metaphor going i didn't watch one and think I think you're mad at me, the viewer. And there were times I felt that in the second one. Yeah, I I can appreciate that and can agree with that, especially like I've cited and won't, you know, recite it entirely in in its entirety here. But like that Annie death gets under my skin from the second one uh, in ways I don't like feeling (laughs) like sincerely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There is something it is worth saying is something to be said that I have seen a multitude of films that have not made me feel anything except for maybe a little bit of adrenaline because they got a jump scare under me. They're, they're, we don't talk about many films of that kind on this show because we tend, on, on the whole, to talk about things that have uh, ignited our emotions and ignited our imaginations in certain ways. But I have seen a multitude of films that don't make me feel anything. Um, and what I'm constantly interrogating about zombies films is... To your point, what is the value of me having felt this thing? Now, what's difficult is I don't walk away with anything that I can hang on as um, something to propel me forward. I walk away with despair. I walk away with sorrow. I walk away with that felt awful, and I'd like to take an emotional bath if I can have one, um, if such a thing exists. At minimum, a literal one, an actual yeah, one. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, and so, so, so that is one difference, but it's just like – you know, I it is a way in which I've I've sometimes indicted my indicted is too strong a word interrogated myself about you know I watch a lot of flicks where uh, people are unceremoniously dispatched and maybe is the question is is there a value to seeing a film where the deaths land in a more grotesque way I'll I'll enter the conversation this way um, the. the it, it, this is a personal consideration. 
um, l- true crime as a genre is just a booming genre, whether that be podcasts, um, you know, television specials, everything. Uh, you know, my, my wife has watched a few of them. I know many people who just like that's their that's their entertainment of choice as a primary means. And I can understand the attraction to them. I have often cited to people that they are harder for me to stomach because with my sensibilities, it is more difficult for me to hear about things that really happened to real people than fabricated slasher blood and guts things that happen to fictional sure, characters. Sure, right. So so for me, even all these years, you know, watch Psycho when I was six and all the things that we've talked about, all the years I've spent with the horror genre, it is still harder for me to hear about things that really happened to the real people. That's just more difficult for me to process. It's more difficult for me to stomach. And so zombies films, I'm talking about the deaths, I'm talking about the violence, like those land kind of like that. It You cited earlier that they feel lived in, and maybe this speaks to that as, as further affirmation and credibility of that fact. That's like, those deaths I, I cannot stomach and brush off as easily. I can't write them off because not necessarily that the characters feel more real or vibrant, but something about this world feels like it really happened. Well, uh, so if anyway. I can interject yeah. there, because you're, you're brushing up against something I was thinking about today, and maybe, maybe there's a world where I'm letting zombie ween one off the hook because it is a, a translation and of a story I'm aware of and familiar with. And, and, sure. and, you know, I guess you'd say desensitized to, but as I've pondered too, you, you just kind of articulated it. It feels like he's wanting to document the murder of characters. And, and, mm, and mm, that feels mm-hmm. like a different intention than, yeah. Let's have some fun at a slasher film. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and from that stand I mean, by the end of it, Reed, I was kind of just I was just kind of out. I was like, I can't I'm not even yeah. you know, there's no real and I want you to I, I can't totally tell if you're um catering to my stronger feeling here, but because I want you to push back if it's there, but just the repetitiveness of it, the the open cruelty of and again from a cinematic standpoint the the pretty muted actual michael myers element yeah um i mean in the middle of the movie i reference it but the 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 stripper scene it's it's like what are we doing here like this is yeah yeah i agree pretty awful um what what i mentioned a minute ago is is i i'm kind of around the bend on being able to appreciate too but i do you to you, is it is it still just left in that question mark zone of like, what is there to be found here? Or to you, are you feeling pretty pretty out on it? Or or like what? How how much do you sync up with what I'm articulating? Um, it's hard to answer because you said this about H two O last week that like context is everything. This is, I believe, my third time seeing H two. Um, for this conversation. First time I saw it, I think I was pretty much like, well, never watching that again. It's a shame it's in the box set that I just bought because I'm never <laughs> popping the because <laughs> I'm never popping that Blu-ray back in the thing. Um, just a wasted disc, you know? That's um, funny. Um, so there's that. And then the second time I saw it, I think I had a, a at least a better respect is the wrong word, but a better acknowledgement of there's a vision at work here. 
I don't know if it's a vision that I can stand alongside, certainly not applaud, but there's a vision at work here. This time around, I I definitely felt of that same ilk where it, it, it was this whole conversation we're having around like, I love the way you phrased it. Like, it feels like documents of a mur- of murders as opposed to fun slasher jump scare kills like that, you know, that's and there's a happy medium somewhere there because there's because I don't need bouncy. I don't need Halloween resurrection. Yeah, of course, because I just thought I just thought about this, like to your point, like I I love I'm not going to say Halloween two is worth watching because of this, but I love Brad Dourif across both these movies. Yeah, he's um, and it's good to see him playing a good guy. I think he yeah, cited that and like absolutely. it's he often plays nefarious characters and he's such an he's such a wonderful actor. It's and oh, he's and so he's fun so, to watch. In this in this he's so you you you're there. Like this is and and that's mm-hmm. what's wild about these two movies and 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 I think ultimately what's what makes me sad about H2. It's like damn man, just please pull back some. Like I I, I want to because had zombie wing one been what I was worried it would be, it'd be easier. I'd be like, ah, yeah, I get it. Barf. Mm -hmm. Not a, Mm -hmm. no, thank you. Um, but zombie wing one and the opening homage to, to 82 zombie or whatever, or 82 Halloween. Yeah. 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 You know, 81 Halloween two. 81. Mm -hmm. The, the, the opener of H two. That's a direct homage to it is. It's great. It's and, energizing. And, yeah, absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and and kind of is honestly, I got excited. I was like, now I'm really curious to see yeah. mm-hmm. before you knew uh, giant spoiler alert. It's a big fake out. Uh, but um, because of how one ends, I was like, okay, what are we going to do here? Two opens in the hospital. I'm like, okay, cool. Buckle up. Let's, yeah, let's right. see how this goes because all the criticism I made about uh, uh, 81 H2 is how unlived in that world feels. Yes. This right. hospital, I'm like, these are real people. I totally believe every Absolutely. visual thing that's happening in here. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of pull out of it, which is, it's fine. Even that is bold and yeah, strong. I uh, get the it. point I'm simply trying to make the rambling is it is hard not to be surprising myself. It is hard not to be taken with the vision, the ambition, the, the visual realization of both films Mm-hmm. even if and and that's where it leaves me is just sad like the two pushes so far past you know whatever threshold might have existed sure of course yeah mm-hmm. to the point where it's just kind of yeah it's a shame that's all I, yeah I totally know what else to say there and you know what else is wild to me about the, the person of rob zombie and uh contemporaneous to this recording uh, won't spend a ton of time here for for obvious reasons, but um, I just last night watched The Monsters, which is his PG approach. Um, and what's interesting to me is watching him with his sensibilities do something that is uh, like without question family friendly and palatable. Like you know whether whether or not it's everybody's flavor or a cup of tea is a different question, but like I I will have no problems with my son watching the movie. It is, it is squeaky clean PG fun. Like as it is again, it might not be everybody's flavor. Sure. 
But it's interesting for me to see that and be like, well, he loves the monsters, and this is, you know, this is something that meant a lot to him. It was a labor of love for him. So how do you reconcile that that the, the person the person who's on that sensibility also gives us H two? And I think some of it connects to, like you said, that the the anger he had a very frustrating time making these movies. Like that, I'm not letting him off the hook for what he delivers, but it is widely noted that his process of making these movies was, in his words, torture to try to get, you know, a distinct vision in play and to do what he wanted to do with it, which again, might've been just like, maybe it would have been worse if he'd had less reins put on him. I don't know. But um, I think on the whole, there is an undertone to every piece of art that gets made. I believe that I believe it's inescapable. Um, my personal philosophy on film, particularly about the horror genre, but I think writ large, is that there is a, for lack of a better way to express it, I will call it, there is a spirit to every piece of art. Sometimes that is rooted in the intention of the project. Sometimes that is rooted in the the flavor of the creators, the mindset of the creators. There is something that is largely uh, undefinable and uh, incalculable for probably every single piece of movie. That's a that's an operating philosophy that I have, and it feels like these come from a really really angry. And I'm borrowing your language to do this, and, and blatantly sure. doing so. It feels like these come from an angry and cruel spirit. That is not to say that Rob Zombie is an angry and cruel man. I don't know him. I can't make that judgment call. I'm, I'm saying that particularly H2 feels like it comes from an angry and cruel well. And to that end, I question of myself the value of engaging with that. There's a reason to look at angry things, to study them, to sure, understand sure. them, to resonate with them in our own heart to a degree to a careful degree for mature and discerning minds, there's a reason to look at cruel things for the same kind of exercise to, to recognize the, the I, I've cited before I'll cite it again. And this is a, this is a read quote. So forgive the self aggrandizing here, but that sometimes the, um, the, the, they really want us to be afraid of the dark so that we'll start turning on some lights. And I think there's some value in that exercise. I don't think that's what this film is trying to make you do. No. And, and, and so I don't think that's necessarily the intent of the filmmaker, but I am expressing that there can be a value in that exercise of H2. It might be, they really want us to be afraid of the dark and then succumb. <laughs> <laughs> and then get murdered. <laughs> right. On the screen. Right. Um, right. Well, so, so yeah. if I can throw out as maybe just ebbing, maybe uh, wandering back towards, uh, swimming back towards a shore. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, I think what makes me a little, or, or perhaps most sad isn't the extremity in and of itself. It's that I actually think there's some interesting things related to Michael Myers, Halloween, Laurie Strode. I think there's some interesting choices here. I, I, yeah. There's a big pivot for Loomis too. I I was going to say, I even love the, the sort of pivot for Loomis. It's, it's Malcolm McDowell does right by it. Um, it feels in most ways, um, like the, the, the Thorn trilogy became just sort of franchise management for Loomis and, and he never really got to 
go hard into a character uh, path, right? Yeah, you got to play. You got to play hard because he's Donald Pleasance, and when you when you come to play, you, <laughs> you play. Uh, but they never really went Michael. Anywhere. Um, at least with this, I really love the choice made to steer Loomis into that self-aggrandizing profiteer. Um, so I think yeah. that's just what kind of makes me disheartened is it's like, damn, I, I, I like the world you've built. I, I hate the way it looks and, and maybe and that's the, way the point. It feels. And if it's yeah. at the point, then I, you know, it works. Um, yes, yes. The way it, the way it sort of feels. And, um, it's funny, I, you 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 brushed up against this idea is what made me think of it, but as I was chatting with Andrew about H2 specifically, I uh, uh, made a reference to my viewing of the Clint Eastwood film American Sniper and how I wanted mm. to kind of watch that movie when it released just because of the the Oscar stuff and, and just kind of being mindful. And, and something that I, a lesson I still will occasionally forget, but something I learned watching American sniper is, is the truth that sometimes it's just not for me. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know, and, mm-hmm. and, and as much as I want to be kind of that movie guy who can kind of stomach most things. And I suppose compared to non horror peers, I can, but that's kind of what I felt at the end of H two. I was like, this is some interesting stuff here, but, the sum total, the, the, the overall is just not for yeah. me, you know, yeah. it's, too, it's tough. And I think for me, and, and, and maybe this is, you know, our final commentary to, to wind down. I think for me, I love the simplicity, of the way you put it. And so I'm going to borrow it and just redefine it a little bit is, um, you know, the, the for me, uh, or from my perspective, the, this is not for me translates in a very tangible way to, uh, I I got the same sensibility watching specifically H two. It's, it's funny because we've talked a lot about H two. I do think H one has more value than we have. You know that we really wrangled oh, yeah. down like yeah. talking about H two. Yeah. But I but but credit where credit is due. I think H one has some value, particularly in the in, in it, its approach to the material post that first ten minute nonsense. Uh, I yeah. think there's a lot of value to the to its approach to the material. I'm actually significantly more interested during all of that Smith's Grove stuff and and even in his first escape and everything than when we get yeah. to the the repetition of it. But that that nugget, I'm 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 appreciative of its existence. Can I in jump the world. in? Yeah, it's of one course. of the first times in 50 films or however many we're in. It's one of the first times I believed that adult Michael came from a thing. I yeah, was like, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm. this all kind of tracks it. It's not, it yes. doesn't, it doesn't feel, um, forced. It yeah. feels like, yeah. Okay. This is, there's this a, is uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. So I, I am going to come back as, as perhaps my final statement for this episode, I am going to come back to my, my walk away feelings with H2, but, to, but to, to, to camp for 45 seconds on H1, um, it is just such a dang shame that that indefensible scene I keep talking about exists in his director's cut because other than that scene, his director's cut has some really great stuff in it, some stuff with Loomis, some extended scenes uh, with that. And so it's like, if not for the presence of that one scene, like I would be like, oh man, the director's cut's where it's at. But man, that one scene just can't, I can't go there. Can't, can't uh, defend it. Um, But, um, the reason I'm citing all of that is to say there's a line, and I think it's in the director's cut, 
um, of, uh, it might be of H2. I can't, these blur together for me. Um, but Loomis says the line. This is what I remember. Loomis says the line. And again, I'll say this, I'll express my feelings on H2 and then I might be done. Um, Loomis says the line where he is asked, is Michael the product of nurture or nature? He's asked that question. Do you remember this question at all? Cause I'm trying, I think it's from the director's cut, but I can't remember. But anyway, he's asked, is it from nurture or from nature? Or, you know, <laughs> Something was happening. Yes. Yeah. Whatever iteration it's in, Loomis has asked the question, is Michael a product of nurture or nature? And Loomis says something really interesting. He said, Michael, and I, I don't have the quote written down, but he basically says, Michael was subject to the perfect storm of both. He had yes. these tendencies in him and then was raised in an environment that gave them, you know, all that they needed to to become a combustible, volatile, you know, force that that produced. The phrase what it was. perfect storm is in H1 perfect when storm. he's out. Okay. All right. Or yeah, maybe, so, yeah. He says it in one of them. Yep. Okay, so maybe that's not from the director's cut. Maybe that is an H one. But, um, but but anyway, like getting back to my like, I think there is a lot of value in H one. My feelings from H two, I have equated it to my feelings when I hear about real world horrors. When I hear a, a news article about something devastating that has happened to someone, and any iteration of the description thereof, um, or any sort of like the the most. Uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, the most notorious serial killers in history, like your Dahmers or your Bundys or something like that. Like, And then I'll hear some of the stories, if I hear any details around their victims or anything, and I'm just like, I get that feeling in my stomach where I'm just like, oh my God, because that was a real thing that really happened to somebody. This is not imaginative rehearsal. It is sure. not exercising our worst impulses creatively, which I actually affirm in a lot of ways, that is just that it, that happened. And, and I don't know how to reconcile with some of those kind of things. That is the sensibility I walk away with from zombies H2. And again, listeners can decide for themselves whether that is a valuable exercise or not. For me, it's work. It's always yeah. work. And, and I'm not saying that I'm not given more to ponder about. And I think maybe to a certain degree, it does generate compassion uh, in my in my spirit towards those things because that's usually my walk away with it is I feel more compassionate and, and want to be more uh, a, an exhibitor of less angry and less cruel things um, because when I see angry and cruel things, it just tilts me in that other direction. So listeners can decide for themselves if there's value in that, but that's my that's my walk away from it is it's 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 just work. So I don't ever engage these films, maybe one a little bit, but I don't ever engage H two, uh, except maybe academically, yeah. except maybe to come at it and and say like this is work, this is homework, this is study. I am engaging uh, a creative output as a thing. In contrast. Uh, uh, I'll probably queue up Munsters uh, perennially for Halloween because I had a lot of fun <laughs> and I enjoyed it. Um, what a you know. sharp contrast! It exactly, is. but but that's my walk away from from H two, and I think that's my culminating statement on it. You have anything else to add before we fog meter and, and leave? No, zombie it's funny you, the, the way you describe that as work. It's funny. I, I that's a great articulation, especially for two. But even as I was processing one. There's a, there's a, you know, people who aren't into this stuff thinks would think statements like this are just, just insanity. But, you know, almost any other Halloween movie, you're like, 
hey, it's Halloween season. Let's check this out. Let's, right. let's watch it. Let's right. cue it up tonight and pop some popcorn. Like mm-hmm. they just have that vibe. They've got that flavor. Even even Resurrection, as dumb as it is, it's it's got a it's got a sheen of fun to it. Sure. This you would never be like, oh, let's have some fun with H one. Correct. Even though that's correct, I think it's very watchable. I think it's very, I think it's very well put together and and worth a watch. Yeah, it's just not. You don't you don't pop the popcorn for this one. You, not like, for that one. <laughs> let me check this out. Um, I feel like we're 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 uh, um getting ahead of ourselves. Shall we, Mister Lackey? Mm-hmm. Go to the fog meter, our very own metric of how we measure the films here at Ye Old Fear of God, that of fear and God. <laughs> we are looking at both films. Um, I'm going to start. Do it. And do both movies, Zombie Ween 1 and 2. Um, fear of 4 1. I'm going to give it an 8. Okay. I think. I love the the rich, heavy center of it. Like as mm-hmm. in if we're talking about fearful things. Like yeah. it, it's it it is like a stone in the belly. Um but it's also really well made and once past that initial ten minutes is really though not a popcorn horror movie, is definitively a horror movie that does well what it does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. And, and makes for, for as dumbass as Charlie Brown, Michael is in 78 Halloween. <laughs> when it happened in this one, I was like, okay, okay. That yeah. Works. Right. That works. Of course. And, yeah. and even, even that sort of farcical imagery became kind of scary in a yeah. way that it isn't in 78. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think eight is fair for one. Maybe even surprise myself a little bit. I, it, it's hard, like the the sliding scale of definitions for the fear and God portion of the the fog meter are a thing. Ah oh, man, I'm gonna give it a ten just because it's it's you know at the end of H one, I feel like I've I've I can at least be like daggum. That was a wild mm-hmm. ending to that wild ride. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, I could go for a scrub, but I don't need like a, 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 a an hour long bath. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you watch mm-hmm. two, if you watch it and you're like, <laughs> the world, <laughs> the night is dark and full of terrors and uh, <laughs> we're all going to die at the hands of a giant who's oh bashing our God. faces in, in oh, gory detail. So yeah, it's, it, it, you know, a 10. What about, yeah. what about you for these two for fear? So and before then you I do give, God and come back to me. Yeah, sounds good. Before I give my measurements here, I do. There is, I'm resisting this uh, in this in this way. There's a way in which higher fog meter can automatically equate to better or or good, as it were. Uh, but there's a reason why we distinguish like fear and God, the 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 fright factor and the substance that drives it at the same time. So um, I'll start with H2. I am with you on 10. I I came into this conversation knowing like I can't give H2 anything other than a 10. I I have not had very many films give me so visceral a reaction 
as some parts of H2 give me. Not that that's a good thing in terms of me walking away and feeling like, oh my God, I gotta... Like, I do want to talk about this movie with people who have seen it, but that doesn't mean I want people to see it in order to talk to me about it. <laughs> that's it, that's it, that's it. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Put that on the box. <laughs> so, um, it's like, if you've seen it, I would love to talk to you about it so that we can unpack this stuff, but that doesn't mean I want you to see it. To do we, sh- we should have a subpage of the fog the fog the fog unrecks like i, I actually right. don't recommend this movie but if you've seen it let's talk like, you know DM me. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly um so for h1 um you know uh, not just solidarity but i like i like your eight um i i haven't mentioned it yet but there's this shot uh in uh, i mentioned to you off pod but there's this shot in h1 where Michael Myers is standing behind the couch where Lindsay Wallace is sitting, the character Lindsay Wallace from from this iteration of it. And just that image is so intimidating. Yes, the little girl. Uh, she's watching the movie before the character of Annie takes her over to be babysat by Lori and uh, hang out with Tommy and everything. Um, and and that image is just so intimidating and unnerving and unsettling of just this you, you know this hulking frame with an incredibly menacing mask standing over this you know helpless little girl you know Lindsay thankfully does not nothing bad happens to her in that movie but oh man that image is is tremendous so yeah eight for me on the on well, the let me throw a, a talk about images uh, I I referenced how heavily I appreciated the hospital run of two. Yeah. Do you do you remember there's a shot? I think the camera might even be on the ground, but it's definitely low across the parking lot at night in the rain. Oh, you this shot? yes, I remember the shot. Did you and see he's- that's actually raining? Like that's not a soundstage. Mm-hmm. That yes. is a real like that. Even just that shot. I was like, dead gum. I feel like I'm getting like I'm in the yes. downpour. Like Absolutely. it is wild. Absolutely. Uh, the, how impressive he pulls some of that off. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. With no, no joke. Uh, I com- completely appreciate the shout out. Uh, so God factor um, for me, that is, is, you know, how much did this film give me to chew on that? I feel like enriched me is, is a lot of what I, you know, think about in the, in, in, in terms of when I make these measurements. So for one, I, I'm, I'm kind of going to give it an unqualified five. Um, that I feel like there is some things in there that I'm like, okay, this is anchored in something, and and I think about it afterwards. Uh, the rehashing of scenes from the, you know, John Carpenter original don't give me as much as the John Carpenter original gives me, but the other stuff, the true zombie vision of the prequel stuff, uh, that uh, I really spend a lot of time with. So I'm giving that a five. For H2, uh, I am not saying it is vacuous of ideas. It is actually got a lot of interesting ideas but the 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 approach that it has to it uh i i kind of have to give it a one so um so five for h1 one for h2 for me um i think that this is the 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 singularity is happening here um yeah i think i think for one five straddles that line but to your point, I can't decide what Carpenter gifted him mm-hmm. and what he's actually doing. Um, as Except a film, for the prequel stuff. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As a film, it's very intriguing and engaging. But as a, as a you know, kind of what its through lines are, uh, he just painted a bigger picture than yeah. the original 78. So I think five is fair there. Um, I think one is fair with H2. Honestly, Reed, this sounds quite macabre, but 
the image that came to me was because to your point, H2 has some things it's thinking about. Yeah. But it's kind of like it took um, little G God tied a boulder to his ankle and threw him in the ocean Mm, because of how much Mm. whatever might be there is drowned by the noise and yeah. the darkness and yeah. the, the kind of cruelty and and I get it. So yeah, yeah I get I, it. One one to signify there are things in there. I don't want to go through the ocean to find it. It's yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's work. You it's you kinda, said it well. It's work. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not a it's great work. swimmer. I'm gonna drown too. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that means that we give Rob Zombie's Halloween from 2007 a six and a half out of 10 on the fog meter and that we landed with his follow-up in 2009 of Halloween 2 with a five and a half out of 10 on the fog meter. Um, the uh, maybe easier, maybe harder question is, do you recommend them? I actually recommend one. It, it really mm-hmm. kind of surprised me how much I enjoy is a strong word, but how much I like, I like, I, I liked that. I liked what it does. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of like how it does it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, two, no, it's, it's, it's again, for extremely different reasons, like resurrection, if you're a completist, maybe, but even then with great caution and, and even then yeah. kind of a, eh, not sure yeah. if it's worth it. Yeah. Understood. Uh, I'm in a very similar place. I- I'll end with one because it's easier to just, uh, uh, join you on two. Yeah. I, I don't recommend Halloween too. Um, I said it before, I'll say it again. If you have seen it, let us share a drink and talk about it because what an experience that is. And I want to process that with somebody. I'm not going to recommend that other people go through it in order to have that conversation with me. But if you've seen it, yeah, let's talk. Um, for Halloween one, I have a slightly tempered recommendation. I, I, I do say like, oh yeah, have you seen it? Maybe you should. I usually bracingly tell people to see it, you know, whereas like, you know, contrasting it from last week, whereas like H2O, I'm like, oh my God, watch this movie, you know? And then um, for for Rob Zombie's, you know, Halloween, I'm just like, uh, yeah, are you ready? Oh, you're ready? You're down? Okay, well. It's so then- funny. I literally thought as you were saying that, I'm like, it's it's the next level Fogrex. It's, yes. it's for the person yeah. who's like, Hey, I've kind of, I've seen these 30, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, scary yeah. movies and kind of, yeah. I kind of liked that 78 thing with, is it, is it Michael Voorhees? You're like, no, 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 that's Michael Myers. <laughs> uh, and like, did you like that? <laughs> you know what? You might want to check this out. You might like it. You know, that's, oh, that's where my that God. lives. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, consider those some compliment, you know, some complicated, um, approaches to the material as it were, but, um, Nathan, thank you for having this conversation with me. I am glad, sincerely, that, uh, you know, even though I kind of ha- feel the need to apologize uh, of just like, yeah, so we've done this and now here's the zombie ones. Um, but uh, but I'm appreciative of conversations like this for reasons that uh, just, they enrich me even when the art that that, that um, drove them doesn't in the same way. So, um, so I appreciate this conversation. And, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening with us. That concludes this installment of Halloween at Halloween. 
this is the penultimate. It is. Next week is the ultimate. Okay, so next week Wait, we are not. We've got our we work are not going to be next week. I know. So next week we are not going to be discussing in depth Halloween 2018. I strongly encourage you to go back and listen to our episode on Halloween 2018, especially the first 20 minutes, because you're going to have a good time. <laughs> you're going to have you're going to have some fun if you listen to that episode. That's so, a good palate cleanser from Zombie Wayne. <laughs> It, it really is. Um, so so I encourage you to go back and listen to that because when we approach the David Gordon Green trilogy, we will only be approaching 2018's Halloween to chart the Kills Hall of Fame and the Toy Michael Myers like we've been doing. We're not going to be talking about it in depth. We will, though, be talking in some degree of depth at least about Halloween Kills from last year and Halloween ends, which as of this recording, we have neither of us have seen. So we're going to breach that subject together and we're going to unpack it together. And that's going to be a whole lot of fun. And that's going to conclude our run through Halloween at Halloween. So and what for, will the patron segment be next week? Green? So, but the patron segment for next week, we're going to finally reveal after we've watched all of these movies, what our will decide by then if it's top three or top five, but at least top three, what our favorite uh, Michael Myers installments were in this large, uh, uh, extensive franchise that we've been walking our way through. So uh, there might be some other fun things in the patron segment after, you know, in addition to our top three, top five uh, installments in the Halloween franchise. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, but definitively, we are going to be counting those down and we are going to be discussing uh, a, a, a glance at Halloween 2018 and then more in depth Halloween kills and Halloween ends. And then uh that's gonna that's gonna put us right up to the to the edge of spooky season. So I am uh, very appreciative again uh for these conversations and for you sort of holding my hand as we walk through them. Listeners, thank you so much. And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. In that spirit we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We'll see you next week everybody. See you guys. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media, essays, and episode archive merchandise and more. If you love what we do, please consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast. There you'll unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online event access, and so much more. We want to issue a special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork, also to our assortment of talented musicians, including Andrew Nelson, The Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes, and also to Lee Wright, who helped me, Reed Lackey, write our theme music. Special thanks also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi, everybody. <laughs>